Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, December the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's all 22 day. We're going to go back over the tape, tell you who played well, who didn't, how coaching continues to put this team in difficult spots, and then we'll turn the page. The Jaguars are on deck. The Dolphins' playoff hopes are on life support, but they'll completely go up in smoke with a loss on Sunday. We'll talk to Zach Goodall of the Locked On Jaguars podcast here on Crossover Wednesday. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Vote the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter back in March during the March Bracket Madness, whatever that was called. I have all the video cut-ups for you guys every single Tuesday up on Twitter. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the entire Locked On Network. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I got a lot of information for this show. Let's go ahead and get things going. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. And the first thing we're talking about is just the general coaching issues and the issues when it comes to teaching players certain things. This offensive line hasn't picked up a stunt since I don't know when. And Adam Gase has even brought it up before. Whoever is the guard, whoever is the tackle, whoever is the center, these guys fail to pick up stunts all the time. There is no real recognition of what type of rush package is coming their way. Their assignments and pass protection. I can't tell you how many times Jawan James sat there with nobody to block on Sunday while the tight end's taking Daniil Hunter one-on-one. That kind of stuff cannot happen. And it does go beyond just the coaching staff on the sideline as the extension of the coach on the field is supposed to be the quarterback. And Ryan Tannehill out there isn't doing much to mitigate these issues, finding these pre-snap looks, pre-snap disguises and making things better on his offense. He just kind of rolls with it, snaps the ball, and then finds out afterwards that he's in a load of trouble once the team has not picked up their protection call. So it's a big issue on offense. It's an even bigger issue on defense. It's tangible every single Sunday with this defense. So many instances of guys covering grass, staying in vacated zones, chasing the cheese, just outright bad football. The 40-yard touchdown to Aldrick Robinson, for instance, is a great example. The Dolphins have a chance on this play to make a third and nine stop, force a punt, and try to mount a 10-point comeback in the final 10 minutes of the game, and the Vikings run the most basic of concepts to free up a downfield shot, and it worked. And they really didn't have any other choices besides taking the deep shot, and Miami wasn't privy to it. They weren't ready for it. They got smoked. All the Vikings did was stack a pair of wide receivers to the field. And the field side of the formation, you guys probably hear me say that all the time, is just if you're on the right hash mark, the field is to the left, where there's more space to operate from. The boundary is the rest of the field to the right, the shorter side of the field. So they go with two receivers stacked to the field. Then they flood those two receivers across over to the boundary on over routes, trying to influence the deep safety, Rashad Jones, who is playing in a robber look. The Dolphins are in a two-deep look with McTire and Fitzpatrick on the field at the cornerback spots. 
Bobby McCain was taken off the field, and we'll talk more about his rough day here in a second. But Jones robs the crossing routes from the backside, which are totally decoys designed to free up Aldrick Robertson. And then McDonald is left covering no one back in space. By the time he realizes it, McTire is beat inside, and McDonald can't get back deep enough. Easiest 40-yard touchdown of Kirk Cousins' career. The video is up on my Twitter timeline, at Winkle NFL. Check that out here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Run fits for this defense are always a mess, and that was no different on Sunday. The ability to scrape and spill, basically what you want to do on a scrape is the defensive end or linebacker crashes inside and, and basically resets the edge for the offensive line, and then the linebacker off of that will spill off of his scrape on the outside and fill that gap but they just don't do it. It looks like Kiko half the time is just throwing his body at whoever he can for no real particular reason. Doesn't really consider leverage when he shoots his gun. Like on a screenplay to the outside, he shoots inside when there's no help to the outside. All the help is on the inside, yet there he goes, shooting on the inside, blowing the entire play up in the wrong way for the defense, I should say, making it easy on the offense. And then you have Jerome Baker, on the other hand, who is just an absolute stud. He initiates contact, he goes, and he gets it. He plays aggressively, by far the best linebacker on this roster. Moving forward, another step on the defense. The defensive line just sucked in this game. They couldn't set the edge. The defensive tackles were moved in the ground game almost at will. Sylvester Williams and Akeem Spence had rough, rough days on the afternoon. Minka Fitzpatrick made the play of the day for the defense on that screen play, something we've come accustomed to with Minka Fitzpatrick sniffing out the screen. This time it wasn't a TFL. It was a pick six. He recognizes that Kyle Rudolph tries to get out for the bubble screen, or I guess it was a tunnel screen working back inside. Rudolph tries to get out there. And Fitzpatrick recognizes it instantly, jumps to the passing lane, makes the pick a huge day. Now, he was attacked a couple times on back shoulder throws. He will get victimized on those plays every now and then, but I trust that he'll figure it out and learn how to locate the football, and he'll be okay. I don't worry about Fitzpatrick at all. I talked about Bobby McCain. He had a very rough afternoon, missed tackles, poor angles, horrible coverage, breakdowns in coverage. Rashad Jones playing free safety. I don't know why they do that. He doesn't have the best sideline-to-sideline range. He's not very fast. So for whatever reason, he just plays back there and doesn't really do a whole lot for the defense. And on the offensive side of the ball, even more issues as far as this game goes. Tannehill's numbers were not good. The chart was not good. He had no real recognition of certain blitzes, pre-snap looks. Couldn't get the cadence change to slow down the Vikings' pass rush or blitzes they threw at him. He had four missed throws on just 20 shots. I thought that was really high compared to what he normally is. I track his performances by winning, inconsequential, and losing. The five winning performances are all at home. One inconsequential and four losing performances all on the road. You can check out that entire chart, all the stats and analytics up on Locked On Dolphins com right now. The offensive line was trash in this game. Jawan James was bad. Ted Larson was worse. Everybody else was okay, I guess. The tight ends and the backs were awful on pass protection. Kenyon Drake, he's lost back there in pass pro, which is a shame because he was getting very good at that prior to the season. Kalen Balaj got whipped a few times. Nick O'Leary, Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki. Just, just laugh about that. I put up a gif on Twitter of him falling down after not getting off the snap in time. Just a complete train wreck there. But once again, the ground game on this offense was the most impressive aspect of the entire team. They finally got Kalen Balaj into the game on more than just Wildcat, and he looked decisive and a good powerful runner, just plowing ahead for the yards he has available to him. All things told, it's pretty damn apparent that this staff needs to be remade once again. Coaching is a huge issue. We'll get into that on a future podcast, but next, we're going to welcome in Zach Goodall of Locked On Jaguars, but first, this from DraftKings. 
The best part about football is its competitive nature. Whether you're a player on the field or trying to beat your friends for bragging rights and huge cash prizes, both of those are up for grabs this weekend and all season long at DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. How huge? We're talking over $1.5 million in total prizes. With one-week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play. You draft a new team every week with no season-long commitments. At DraftKings, you are the GM. Just choose the players, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. No matter what your skill level is, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. So if you've been thinking about trying one-week fantasy football, now is the time to play because nothing makes Football Sunday more exciting than when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. And right now, you can play free with your first deposit to compete for your share at over $1.5 million in total prizes. Right now, go to DraftKings.com or download the app. Use promo code LOCKEDON to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $1.5 million in total prizes. That's code LOCKEDON only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And joining the show now are the hosts of the Locked On Jaguars podcast for Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. They are Zach Goodall and Chris Thornton. Guys, what's going on? We're excited to be here getting to break down this excellent, excellent matchup that we have coming our way on Sunday. (laughs) You know, that was part of my lead into this whole thing was, you know, the general format for these podcasts, the crossovers that I usually do. It goes position by position. I have you tell me where things have gone right, where they've gone wrong. But I don't know if that's what's best for this particular show just because of where these two teams are at right now. And I don't got to tell you guys this, but the Jags season has been off the rails for a minute. And while the Dolphins are this roller coaster of pain to their fans, they're still technically alive. But I think we'd be best served just to kind of go over the story of the Jags season. Does that sound good to you guys? That sounds good to us. I mean, the best way that I can sum it up is bet the under on every game the Jaguars <laughs> play in at this point. <laughs> well, that works for the Dolphins tenfold, too. So I guess we're uh, that might be the money play of the weekend, actually, thinking about that. But, uh, so uh, okay, that's, that's perfect. So first, let me ask you guys about this, because I don't think we have to talk about Blake Bortles. That ship has sailed, right? The boat, the boat has left. <laughs> the boat has sunk, dare I say yeah. it. <laughs> I think it was, it was burned down, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like the Titanic was is now probably like the second most <laughs> disasterful sink, ship, uh, like ship sinking of recent history um, behind the fifty four million dollar investment into the Blake Bortles boat. It's <laughs> uh, the, the Jaguars really overachieved last year. It's as simple as that. And I don't mean that necessarily in a way to discredit like the just amazing effort that the defense put out in the production that they had. Cause it was like some of the best that we've ever seen out of a defense. But the thing is, is that they truly believe they could replicate like all time passing defense year to yeah. year and maintain the injury luck that they had. And they thought, well, when these situations like Blake portals can at bare minimum get the job done and that didn't happen. They have the third most amount of guys on IR this year, and that certainly hasn't helped. But, I mean, you get that crack of pressure, whether it be literal pass rushing pressure or pressure from things aren't going perfectly on Blake Bortles, and he sinks. And that's exactly what's happened. They've realized that they need to just admit to that mistake as quickly as possible. And 
I can't root for them to lose, but like I'm totally cool with a top five <laughs> pick this year to try and get a quarterback. Sure, sure. Maybe we can talk about that at the end of the podcast in terms of who you like, and you guys are both out to the Senior Bowl this year. That's pretty cool. But let's go ahead and turn, turn the page here. And real quick before we do that, actually, I was I had a, a statement preseason, I guess, if you want to call it that, and I said that the most egregious error in the NFL across the entire league this offseason was the Jaguars with legitimate Super Bowl contention ideas going back to Blake Bortles. Would you say that was a correct statement? Uh, I mean, judging by how the season's gone this year, I would say that's a pretty fair uh, assessment. Did you guys feel that you, way before the season, though? Uh, so I, we what, were. Wait, I would yeah, like to. Ahead, I, I was gonna say <laughs> I would like to say that we were probably kind of Blake believers yeah. when sure. when they extended him, although we probably weren't like full like full speed ahead. Uh, I think we kind of understood a little bit why they did the extension because it looked like Blake was actually kind of finally turning it around uh maybe not like elite numbers but he looked like he might have finally been like average to good and like the Jaguars we were oh so wrong uh on Blake Bortles so uh we we think they should have at least gotten a backup option not not named Cody Kessler, but should have drafted somebody or signed somebody in free agency still uh, to pair with Blake Bortles in case that that failed. But the team obviously didn't want to do that. They ended up trading just a seventh round pick for Cody Kessler. And the offense has gotten worse with Cody Kessler in it now. So that shows you how much really uh, success they found with the quarterback position this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I thought they should have gone for Lamar Jackson, but that's neither here nor there. And, of course, we're spending way too much time on Blake Bortles now. Let's go ahead and turn the page here and talk about management because I've heard this Tom Coughlin rumor about him possibly taking over the head coaching job. Is Doug Marone coming back, or what's what's the plan at coach next year? So I, I am a bigger fan of Doug Marone than people want to believe in him right now. Because I do think that just every possible negative circumstance that could have happened happened to him and there wasn't too much in his control because at the end of the day, like there's a three-headed monster for power here with Dave Caldwell at GM, Doug Marone at head coach, and then this random made-up position for Tom <laughs> Coughlin to come in and say he has final say on everything. So he's got the weak link in that three-person chain right there, and I can't necessarily fault him for that. There are things he could do better. But I'd like I would like to see him back. I would totally understand if they com- uh, completely clean the house as well. So one way or another, I don't think Coughlin takes over as coach. I think either Marone will be here or Coughlin will lead the search in hiring a new GM and a new coach that you know fits his standard. But he still would essentially keep his role as the football czar, <laughs> as they like to call it, because there's literally no other way they can describe this made up football position. Chris, are you a are you a Marone supporter or backer or on the other side of the ledger? Uh I'm I'm kind of the same camp as Zach. If they keep Marone, I can obviously see why they would and I would like to see kind of Marone attached to maybe a quarterback and an offense that isn't so inept and bad at what they're supposed to do. Uh but I'm also completely for if they want to just blow it up in the front office and the coaching staff and just bring in a whole bunch of new people along with you know, new guys on offense, likely a new franchise quarterback and stuff like that. I'd be completely behind that as well. Well, I feel like we're looking in a mirror right here, that Spider-Man meme, because you talk about the made-up <laughs> position with with with, John, with Tom Coughlin. Mike Tannenbaum's the same thing. We have a GM that I don't think anybody 
even knows who he is, Chris Greer, who rose through the ranks of the scouting department world, and now he's come into the Dolphins' GM position, and he's had some good drafts, but people don't think about that. They just think about Mike Tannenbaum, and then obviously some of the same issues, but we have issues on defense because we just kind of suck. You guys have defensive issues with one of the most talented sides of any roster in the entire league, but it just hasn't worked out this year. Can you guys tell me why that was the case? I mean, was it Jalen Ramsey's trash talk? Was it a hangover? Why is this defense not working out? And do you expect that to continue on Sunday or are they suddenly going to put the clamps on and do what they did to the Colts a few weeks ago? I think it's a mix of schematics as well as the expectation level that people set for this defense. And quite frankly, like I said, what the team set as an expectation that they believed they could repeat exactly what they did last year and that their ego was just too high for it. But at the same time, I'm not a Todd Wash fan. He's one of the least adjustable defensive coordinators you can come across. And it's because he's a disciple of Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley couldn't like tell you the definition of adjustment. If he looked it up in the uh, dictionary, he had a very, very, you know, stubborn scheme that he liked to run the same thing, try and fit the square pegs into the round holes. And, Todd Wash got lucky that he had some of the most gifted, talented defenders in the NFL just so happened to be on his roster last year. And they could do what he asked, but when teams learn how to scheme against the constant cover three and off man, and that's really all he likes to do, he will barely send, rarely will he ever send five or more rushers. He believes that all you need to do is send four, and that just isn't how it's working here at this point. Teams are adjusting to that. They're picking up on it. So many teams have beaten them with a mobile QB because all he's got to do is evade four rushers and then be able to break off on his own or be able to check down and find a quick release. And Todd Wash just doesn't like grasp the idea that there's room for change, room for growth in his scheme. He likes to run the same thing, much like Bradley did, and that's what part of the reason why he was run out of Jacksonville. And even if Marone were to stay, like they they need to completely change the offensive and defensive coordinator positions who's coming in here, and they need to bring in someone like maybe a Mike Pettin from Green Bay who likes to change things up, run a lot of hybrids, adapt to his players. I think that's one of the biggest things that Todd Wash misses is the ability to adapt to his players, and in reality, I think that's hurt the defense a lot more than people realize. Well, that's a, that's a very interesting parallel for the game on Sunday because the Dolphins just played a Vikings team who sent the house at Ryan Tannehill and Mike Zimmer doesn't normally do that he usually just rushes four guys and Tannehill could not handle it whether it was the protection calls or just the quarterback having his own shortcomings so that'll be an interesting dynamic come Sunday we've got plenty more with Zach and Chris from Locked On Jaguars including a prediction for Sunday's game and we'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Leafle NFL at Locked On Fins and we're back for the C block of the Wednesday crossover edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, joined by the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And guys, let's go ahead and shift our focus to Sunday a bit here. And on my podcast, I bitch all the time about difficult losses, but I can't imagine what it's been like for you guys with all the expectations coming into the year. But let's go ahead and talk about Sunday. What are your expectations? Not a prediction, but what kind of team do you think the Dolphins are welcoming into Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday? Is it going to be a hungry team or one that's already ready for tea times in January? The latter. <laughs> yeah, Chris you, Chris, you can finish it up, but like this team checked out two weeks ago against Tennessee. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, one. on uh, on national TV, that was a, a. I was I was sick, and I went to bed after the Henry nine nine yard touchdown. <laughs> so uh, that was. I think when the team checked out, I think that's when things probably kind of collapsed in the locker room. Uh, Expectation-wise, uh, I don't really have many. I think the defense is still going to play solid like they have been, although they haven't 
obviously played to the tune that they did last year, uh, whether it be sacks and turnovers and stuff like that. But they've still been solid and been a top 10 defense all year. Uh, Jalen Ramsey just got named to his second Pro Bowl. He's been playing uh, fantastic football this year. Uh, he really put on a show against Antonio Brown in this uh, Steelers game. But if I have one hope, it's that we get an offensive touchdown. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the Jags have one offensive touchdown since, like, November or something. Like, that is bad football. So, uh, hope-wise, at least one offensive touchdown. And for my fantasy team's sake, uh, being in the championship Pray to God Fournette does something. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. Well, the good news for you is, is this Dolphins team is only four touchdowns away from surpassing the 2007 touchdown total allowed, which was a 1-15 team, the worst team in franchise history. So we're on pace for some really remarkable stuff. But the good thing is this team's actually pretty damn good at home. They're 6-1 and one this year. So- Six and one this year at home, and they've been good under Adam Gaze at home all along the road is what gives them issues. But if you guys can, if me real quick, maybe one apiece, one on either side of the ball, give me a player that maybe, you know, not Jalen Ramsey, not Leonard Fournette, someone that is a little bit unsung that the Dolphins should be concerned about on Sunday. Um, wow. I mean, I, I can't even think of unsung players at this point because where the talent's at, like we said earlier, it's kind of checked out. And on the offense, there's literally nothing. Um, I mean... <laughs> I, so Doug Marone put in his press conference just the other day that he's getting to that point where he's starting to try out other guys. And he didn't directly say that as a way like he's tossing this season, but that's kind of the feel you get, right? When you're giving a seventh round draft pick that you poached off of the Broncos practice squad uh, reps over your fourth overall pick running back from a year ago and giving him, I don't even know how many carries, but in the span that David Williams got to some significant playing time and actually looked kind of decent on the field, I think Leonard Fournette had like one carry through a half a football. So I thought Williams actually looked kind of decent. He averaged like six yards per carry when he was in there on the field. He was able to break a couple tackles, had some really nice vision in the backfield. He could be a guy that they might try and incorporate into the game a little bit more on offense. And that makes me feel terrible that as a guy that shouldn't be on this roster right now is probably going to be the unsung guy Um, (laughs) on the defense. I mean, I guess you just have to say like the only person worth watching is Jalen Ramsey. He Last year, six Jaguars defenders went to the Pro Bowl. This year, only one Jaguar in totals going. And both times, Jalen Ramsey's been on that list. So no matter what this Jaguars team brings, it is always fun to watch Ramsey from a playmaking perspective, a fun football personality as a trash talker's perspective. So if Dolphins fans are looking for like anything to enjoy from the Jaguars side of the ball to make this a fun game, like... Just just look for 20, man. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, he's definitely fun to watch. And just real quick, not a, not a lengthy answer, but do you think the stuff about him possibly getting traded was all BS? Yeah, no, I think they're going to extend him this offseason. Okay, cool. I, I, I hope they do. He belongs there. He looked. He made, a, he made a career for himself there. So I like when guys stay home, unless they come to Miami, of course. But that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you guys already have Minka. It's fine. Yeah, and they got to pay Xavier <laughs> Howard, too. So we'll, we'll, exactly. he'll, get, he'll get his contract pretty soon as well. But all right, guys, let's pick this thing. We've had exactly one guest on the Dolphins podcast, the Locked On Dolphins podcast, all season long pick against his own team. And he was right. It was Kevin Masseri of Locked On Bills. Will you guys be the second one of the year? 100%. Oh, yeah. 
I don't even oh, yeah. <laughs> think about Like I said, bet the under. I have no idea what the over-under <laughs> is on this game, but I'll put money on that. And I mean, if it's, if it's any lower than last week's between the Jags and the Redskins, then it'll be probably the lowest of like the last 20 years because I know the last one's like the lowest since 2012. So, really? Wow. Uh, the Dolphins probably push it up a little bit because they have a more competent offense than the Redskins, but the Jaguars definitely aren't helping the over case by any means. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably like 37, which in this day and age is insane, but it uh, is 39. I just looked it up. Holy crap. That's so low. That's so <laughs> it was low. 30, I, it was 36 last week for the Redskins. Wow. Jags game. Well, then, yeah, jo- the Josh Johnson. Though, you know, 29. Say that again. Uh, the combined, I think exactly oh, what they scored. Yeah. Yeah. 16, 13, right? Yeah, God, it was miserable. So, I mean, I could see, like, this one being 39. um, I probably see Miami breaking the 20 plane in Jacksonville. Like, uh, man, I don't even know if they're breaking double digits this week. Under, under, under. (laughs) Sounds good to me. 21-10. And if you do take the under, go with my bookie where you play, you win, you get paid. There's a little promo there for you guys at the end. They are Zach Goodall and Chris Thornton from the Locked On Jaguars podcast. Fellas, thanks for doing this tonight. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate you having us. Those guys do a great job over at Locked On Jaguars. You can find Zach Goodall at Zach underscore Goodall on Twitter. And, of course, he does some stuff with the UCF Knights as well as the Jaguars and the draft, too. So you can check him out there. As for this podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us that review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfoot NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at Locked on dolphins.com you guys have a great rest of your wednesday we'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football